Welcome to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. Your co-hosts, Jason Smith and Brian Bibbo, will inspire and teach you how to prosper in your mind, body, and spirit, not just your financial life. Joining forces with field experts, Jason and Brian are here to help you focus on what matters most in your life, living well. Welcome to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. I'm Jason Smith. I'm your host today, and I have a friend of mine, Chris Smith, who took me and my family through a process that I think fits squarely into this holistic health realm. Uh, first, I want to welcome Chris. Welcome. Thanks for hey. being here, Chris. Thanks, man. I'm, it's an honor. I'm stoked. Uh, it was such an honor to guide you and Holly through you know, the family brand process. And so, yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, what I'd like to talk, like, just start off with is, is, you know, so first of all, you know, you'll hear, uh, Chris will tell you a little bit about the story of how and why he started family brand. But one of the reasons that I uh, invited Chris on the podcast is believe it or not, it was from watching Netflix, right? So I was watching Netflix and there's a new documentary that came out Live to 100 Secrets of the Blue Zone. Mm. Now, really, really good. I'd highly recommend it. Have you watched it, Chris? No, but we, my uh, family and I read a book called Ikigai that talks about the ja- the Japanese culture and their blue zone, uh, yes. you know, why people live so long. And it was, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And so this, uh, and, and I read a book, I don't recall the name, about blue zones too, many years ago. So when I just more recently watched this series, it made me think of you. And I was like, I gotta have Chris on here and talk about, you know, what family brand does, because really what the Netflix documentary came to the conclusion is the number one most important thing, commonality amongst all these blue zones. So blue zones are where people are living to past age 100 all over the world. There are certain pockets of the world where people are consistently living a lot longer than everybody else. And one of the main contributing factors, I think it was the number one, was family. It was the Mm. family sticking together. It was, you know, the kids sticking with the parents and the grandparents living in many cases with the parents and just those families sticking together. It was that sense of community. It was really the relationships, its sense of purpose that people had because of the relationships is what was the, uh, now listen, what they ate and their mobility and their daily kind of routines. But when they they compared the commonalities amongst them, it was the family and the relationships and that sense of purpose that they wanted to keep on going on to be part of that community of family was the number one thing. And I thought of you, Chris, because family brand in the process that you took uh, Holly and I through to set um, really our brand as a family and what we're teaching our kids and what we live by. We have a giant chalkboard that is in our kitchen right above our dining room table that has our mission, vision, culture, and values that we created when we worked with you to do this. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I, I have to watch that, uh, that it's called a, it's called live to a hundred. Yeah. Live to a hundred and, uh, something about the blues. Secrets of the blues. Well, what's interesting is you say, you know, that they talk about family relationships that last and, and purpose. So the book Ikigai, so Ikigai is a Japanese term or word for purpose. 
And it talks about the, the blue zone in Japan. And part of the reason they live so long is because they have such a deep, you know, connection to their purpose in life. And, and it does talk about family and look, you know, the, the mission of family brand, right. And what we want to be known for more than anything, we always tell people three things. We want to help families really understand who they are, what they stand for. And we want to help them create what we call unbreakable family bonds. Because look, if, if at the end of the day, if you know who you are as a family, if you know what you stand for, and you've created the foundation to create unbreakable family bonds, because I don't know any family, Jason, who says, oh, I, I really hope that as my children grow older, we grow farther and farther apart. And yet, unfortunately, you look at most families, the adult children, the older they get, the further and further they drift from each other, the further and further they drift from their parents. And it's just like, what if we could create these relationships that last, but that doesn't happen by accident. Like it does, you're not going to like trip your way to that. You're not just like anything that requires, you know, if you want a big outcome in anything, it requires some real intention and purpose and doing it by design, not default. And so at the end of the day, it's just kind of like, man, look, either we can decide what our family stands for or the world's going to do it for us. And if the world does it for us, man, there's going to be a lot of disconnection and we're just going to drift further and further apart. So we can either grow together on purpose or what I say, we can accidentally drift apart. Yep. And you know, uh, I have so much to say about that, but I don't want to jump ahead because I want you to just give everybody a little bit of your background, Chris. And, you know, what was kind of your family story that led you to, you know, found the organization Family Brand? Yeah, my wife and I always point to there's there's three things that really shaped why we even created Family Brand and why we feel so called to share it with the world. You know, the, the first is I'm the youngest of six children. There's three boys and three girls in my family. Unfortunately, I've lost both of my brothers. Both of my brothers have passed away from suicide and addiction. Um, I lost my oldest nephew to that. I just had a sister about a month ago. Uh, get released from a five-year prison sentence related to addiction. She's doing amazing, by the way, like really, really like found her purpose and, you know, reconnected to our family. She's doing incredible. So I just saw this tragedy, maybe, maybe at an unprecedented rate for most families, right. To lose two siblings and a nephew. And just, and so even as even young, being the youngest, Jason, I was just like, man, I, I don't know what it is, but there's gotta be a way to have a different narrative, like a different purpose or something. And so that was just always in the back of my mind that I want to do something different with my family. Not, and not that my parents did anything wrong, loving parents, right? Like great. And I just knew that that was important to me. And then um, 14 years ago, my wife and I had two beautiful little boys and just hit a rough spot in our lives. And I, I was at a low point in my life and we got separated. We were going to get divorced. We were planning out our divorce. And then it kind of hit me like, wait, this isn't how you reestablish like the family narrative and the family name and what it means to be a Smith. Like this will just be one more broken family. And so with the help of an amazing marriage counselor and truly with the help of my wife who really showed up as a leader in our relationship at that time, when it, when our relationship needed a leader and that wasn't me, you know, we fought for our marriage and we saved it and we've created something really beautiful out of it. And we've added three more children. So now we have five children and a really beautiful life and a really beautiful marriage, but from a place of absolute like hopelessness, so I think like I always felt called to serve families. My wife and I knew like, man, if we can, if we could save our marriage, well, then maybe what's possible for other families. 
And then I would say a third thing is my wife, she was, uh, she was at a point where our youngest was about to go back to school. So she was like, Oh, she was a nurse an RN. And she's thinking, okay, like I've been waiting for this moment. I'll go back to working as a nurse while my kids are in school. It's perfect. That's why I got my license to, to be able to be a mom and still work. And then she just had this massive calling one day um, where she's like, no, like the next chapter of my life is not to go back to being a nurse, but it's like to build families. So to her credit, it was a huge decision, very courageous. She let her nursing license go after all that work. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to go all in on serving families. So we're, we're having all this, but where it all came together is I have a coaching consulting company outside of family brand where we work with entrepreneurs. Interestingly, we work with a lot of financial advisors and holistic healthcare practitioners um, to help them create their identity, who they are, what they stand for, and then how to articulate that, both to grow their business and to create culture. Well, I had been doing this for companies for years. And then one day I had this thought, we should take our family through my process, right? Like the process I have creates really amazing transformations for companies and they get really clear on who they are and what they stand for and they grow. Yep. And so we took our family through the process, started experiencing kind of miracles in our family and our marriage. And just, and then from there, it just happened. And like, oh, I think we created, we just branded our family. We just created a family brand. And it was like, oh, family brand. That's a cool idea. Like families should have a brand. They should brand themselves. Then we bought the domain and started the podcast and a program. And the rest is kind of history. You know, uh, Chris, I have a similar background. I'm the youngest of 11, also lost three siblings to suicide and, and addiction. And, um, you know, it was a his and hers. My mom had children and then my dad had children together. Uh, they had me. And, but it was somewhat dis dysfunctional and the family wasn't close. I have a close relationship with my mom's, uh, you know, children, very close. Uh, not so much with my dad's side. And I always, you know, just yearned for that closeness and I wanted to create that for my children. It was one of the th reasons that I wanted to go through your process and we'll describe it in a little bit more detail here in a few moments. But um, one of the things, you know, is having, you know, your uh, the core values and one of our core values is that Smiths have each other's back. And I want to share with you something that just happened about a week or two ago is my, I think it was about a week ago. It was my son, Lincoln, he's six years old. And, you know, we were talking about my um, oldest daughter, my 26 year old, and she was coming home for, um, for Thanksgiving. So it was like the day before she was coming home for Thanksgiving. And um, he said something that was just to my wife. And to, so I have twin six-year-olds and twin eight-year-olds, as you know. And so he said, it, he said this to his twin sister, Lennon, and then the, tw the twin eight-year-olds, Wyatt and Berkeley, and then my wife and I, and he was very serious. He stood up and it was, uh, and it was right after we had the discussion about uh, Jordan coming home, my, my oldest. And he's like, guys, he's like, we are never going to move apart. We, even when we're adults, are all going to live close by each other because Smiths have each other's back. And what that means is we stay together. We're not going to live in different places. And I was just That's like, amazing. I know. I couldn't even believe it. It was just so cool. Yeah. And so. it's like, it's like, and look, he, that's like, 
that's just what he knows, right? It's like, again, that's the idea that we can, we can help our children know who we are as a family and what we stand for, or we're leaving it open to interpretation and the world's influence. And for your son, it's like, no, I'm a Smith and Smiths have each other's backs. And so it's just like, it's just what is, ah, dude, I love that story. And it's the power of language and the power of this idea of not just, and look, we, we do this a lot with organizations. We, we go into organizations a lot of times and we literally transform their culture, like create miracles inside their organization. But it's not because we come up with these flowery, like mission, vision values, which unfortunately a lot of companies do and they paint them on the wall and they mean nothing. It's, it's taking those mission, vision values though, and committing to them and speaking them and living by them to where they literally start to shape the identity of the people who work there or in a home, it literally starts to shape the identity of every individual and the identity of the family. And my wife and I were just on a date last night, which is a principle that because we got so close to getting divorced, I think Jason, we, we were so close to taking each other for granted that yeah. we literally have been committed to a non-negotiable weekly date night for years now. I, I cannot remember the last time in years we've missed a date. Chris, I think I learned that from you. And I just realized that my wife and I never miss. I mean, we're dedicated to a weekly date night. And I'm trying to think when that started. It was probably right after we went through this process. And I didn't even realize. Yeah. And look, for those of you listening, it doesn't have to be extravagant. Like those, it, 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 like yeah. last night, we went and got burgers at the local burger place right by our house and then went and got uh, stocking stuffers for Christmas for our kids. We had a great time. But what we were saying is it just came up in conversation. My wife and I can't not talk about this because we're so passionate about it. So even when we're on a date, we're talking about family and our family and family brand and how to serve more families. Yeah. And I just had this thought that I'd never asked her, Jason. I said, beyond the basic needs, right? So once, our, once we're meeting the basic needs of our family and our children, right? We're providing that. What do you think is the most important thing we could do for our children? Or what's the most important thing? I'm asking her this. And then she asked me, and both of us agreed that the most important thing we can do for our children, the most important thing we could teach our children is that they matter. Because I think that's just an epidemic amongst kids in the world today that's never been easier to, for kids to compare themselves. There's never been more opportunities to compare. And unfortunately, most of that comparison ends up being, I'm not enough. Fill in the blank. I'm not enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not handsome enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not athletic enough. I'm not. But what if we, through values and language and culture, could create a situation where our children grow up like, no, I'm a Smith. And you know what that means? Like, I know that I matter. I know that I'm amazing. I like who I am. I believe in who I am. Like, I don't think there's another gift that we could give our children that's more important than that. I don't know that there's another responsibility we have that's greater than helping our children believe in themselves, realize that they matter. And my whole point tying that back to what you're doing is, and you do that through values. You do that through language. You do that through culture. And so for your son to realize, how old is he? Eight? Uh, he was six. He's six. He's six. Six. six years old yeah. to be like, hey, this is who we are. It's like the profoundness of that. It's like, right. it's remarkable. Well, and I tell you, you know, and I'm, we'll get into this a little bit more, but like, just because it's popping in my head. Another one is Smiths are brave, right? And um, I mean, this is about a year ago, but we're in the metro parks and we're climbing up these kind of boulders, right? And we're in the middle of the woods in the metro parks, climbing up these boulders. And so my my other, um, Lincoln's twin sister, Lennon, right? At this time, they're five years old. And my wife's a little nervous, right? Because we're climbing up these boulders and stuff in the metro parks. And my uh, uh, my eight-year-old Berkeley, who's who was seven at the time, 
um, was ahead of her and Lennon was behind her and Lennon got a little scared. And then Berkeley said, come on, Lennon, Smiths are brave. And I saw it process in Lennon's head. I saw her eyes, her facial expression, her body language. And then she was like, you know, kind of like I can do it. And then she went and climbed the next level. And it was just the coolest thing. Yeah. It's just, it's just remarkable. And like, there's also a principle in that, that from just a, a parenting tip that we've learned is when, when our children are doing something or behaving in a way that like we wouldn't like them to, or we're trying to do this hike and one of our kids doesn't want to do it. Most parents, myself included, usually the only thing you have access to is like, you just get frustrated. You get after your kid, you threaten them or what's gone, you know, but how much more powerful is it to just remind them of who they are and who we are? It's like, Hey, Lennon, it's Mr. Brave. It's like, Oh, or like, let's say, you know what? My kids aren't being kind to each other. It's like, Hey guys, Smiths show up for each other. And I don't always remember to do it, but imagine that in a company too. Imagine when things don't work in a company or someone's not doing what they said they're going to do or things are off. Right. We can, we can reprimand them. We can have consequences. We can try to force compliance or we can just remind them of who we are and the values we have and what we're committed to. And it's all rooted in an identity. And then for Lennon to be like, Oh yeah, that's right. Cause I am a Smith and this is what Smiths do. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's it's remarkable. And, you know, it's what's different, too, is, um, you know, one of the things you had said is you said, listen, with young kids. Right. And I think like for the listeners, I think there's there's people that have young children, there's parents, but there's also grandparents that are listening. And I think like doing something like this as a gift for your family, a close friend of mine, he's actually I'm going to a 70th birthday party tonight and in Pittsburgh good friend of mine, I told him, you know, and I'm like, you know, this is important. Like you're setting guiding lights for not just your children, but your grandchildren. So I, I would imagine, Chris, you'll, you know, you've, you've worked with, you know, that generation as well to set yeah. these a family brand for their whole. Yep. Yeah. People ask us, is family brand for everyone? And I tell them, yes. Like, and I say, yeah, the majority of the families who have gone through family brand, whether that's through one of our coaching programs or by the digital program, the majority of them are families with children still at home. And we've had uh, couples who don't have children yet. We've had uh, empty nesters who were like, well, now we, we want to reinvent who we are now because we're at a totally different place in our life. We've had empty nesters who are doing it for like more legacy and their grandchildren. We've had empty nesters who buy it for their adult children. So it's been fun to see like, this is for everyone. And some families will even say like, oh, I wish I'd have had this 20 years ago when my kids were growing up or 30 years ago or we're too late. And it's like that Chinese proverb, right? The best time to plant a tree is now. Second best time or the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Second best time is now. And so, yeah, we've not had it not be impactful. In fact, um, I don't know if you know Michael Hyatt. He's you know written a New York Times bestselling book and just a really prolific author and really successful business. He and his wife, Gail, five adult grown daughters. And they just went through it because they're like, well, we're at a different stage in our life. Like who, are, yeah. who what is our family brand now for, for just us as a couple, our values. And that's the thing I think sometimes I want to, I want to make sure that I'm really clear about you're, you're not just doing this for your children. This is also for you and your significant other, or you and your spouse and just who you are, right. And what you stand for together, whether you have children at home or not. 
No, that's a really good point. And, you know, I've even thought about, you know, my mom's 80 years old and I have a close relationship with, uh, you know, with my two sisters and my brother, uh, all from my mom. And, you know, I really want to make sure that, you know, the family and listen, we just had Thanksgiving and we hosted in our barn. We had 36 people all sat down at the same table, which was awesome. And but I do worry sometimes, like when my mom's gone, like, is the family really going to stay together? Right. Mm -hmm. And are we going to continue to gather and have the same kind of relationship that we do right now? And I could see going through this with my mom and giving her a voice and with my sisters and my brother and all of us being like, this is what, you know, the rules of the game. This is what yeah. we're living by. And this is what we're, how we're going to kind of continue with mom's legacy. We've had families do that. It's really fun. We've had, we've obviously had families like, like you and Holly do it with your children, but then we've had adult siblings come together and say, well, who do we want to be at this stage? Like from a legacy. And then like, yeah, while your mom's still here, being able to have her speak into that, that with that wisdom. And again, I just, I say this all the time. There's no gray area. There's no middle ground here, Jason, in my, in my opinion. And that is we're either going to intentionally grow together yep. or we're going to accidentally drift apart. It's just, yeah. there's no, there's no middle ground in that, you know? And like, I don't want to accidentally drift apart as a family ever now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 50 years from now. I want to keep intentionally growing together, but just like it takes on and look, you don't get really healthy by like stumbling your way there. You, you're really intentional about it. It's by design. You don't become really wealthy by stumbling your way to wealth. Like it's very intentional. It's by design, but sadly, the thing that's most important, which is family, it often gets what's left of us instead of the best of us. Yeah. It's like, we take everything we have, energy, talent, brilliance, pour it into our businesses, pour it into our health, and then kind of what's left over, it's like, hey, family, feast on the scraps of like what's left over. And look, I get that at times it's time to go all in on your business. And I'm not saying it's perfect or any of us are perfect at it. And sadly, you know this, if you or I, Jason, as entrepreneurs want to invest in some area of our business, culture, marketing, brand, leadership, processes, systems endless amounts of resources, right? For you and I as entrepreneurs to go buy almost anything. If you're a family who wants to intentionally invest in the building and strengthening of your family, there's very few resources, sadly, out there available. And so we want to inspire more and more people to actually become our competitors. Like I'm, there needs to be way more people out there helping families with this. You know, we're certainly not going to help all the families that are in need. So uh, Chris, talk about kind of, we, we've touched on some of this, but what is the kind of structure and what's the deliverable, what's, you know, that, that a family uh, receives when, after they go through the process of, you know, with family brand. Yeah. Well, and it's funny is I'm excited to share this with you because, you know, we've actually, you know, evolved and updated it and grown since, since you and Holly went through it. Cause I mean, that was like two or three years ago. Um, oh, maybe more, four, yeah. maybe four. Yeah. And so the, so the very first thing that we do when we work with a family is also the very first thing we do with, when we work with a company is we help them create an identity that's bigger than any one of the people that they all feel like they belong to. So it's a shared identity. It's not like a, hey, mom and dad are saying this is what it is and you guys get on board or else. Everyone gets to speak into it. And like, a, you know, age appropriate, right? You, you know, we can, we can tailor it to that. 
But I also think this is a big risk in companies, Jason, a lot of times is the founder comes to everyone and goes, this is who we are, get on board with it. Right. And a lot of companies don't do a very good job creating an identity that's bigger than their industry. So, th so their whole identity is just their industry, wealth, health. And it's like, no, no, no. What would it look like to have an identity that's actually bigger than the industry? Same as a family. How do we create a shared identity that we all feel like we're a part of? Because that, that naturally starts to create a culture of belonging. And I think if you, if you get belonging right in a company or a family, everything else falls into place. If you don't get belonging right, nothing else you try and do will actually matter. So there's been a lot of research done with humanity on what's the most, what, what's the one thing that human beings value more than anything and that we all desire. And every bit of research that's done this type comes back and it's, we all want to belong. Yeah. It's the number one desire we have as human beings is to feel like we belong. And all of us have felt that at some point in our lives and how good it feels. All of us have also felt at some point in our lives, like where you feel like you don't belong and it's made clear that you're not welcome or you're not wanted and how like hard that is. So that's the very first thing we talk about in family brand is how do we create that shared identity and how do you, not just theoretically, how do you actually create a culture of belonging and wanting where your children feel wanted and your spouse feels wanted just yeah. be, for who they are as they are? And because that creates a safety of like, I'm safe to be who I am in this family. Yeah. I'm loved for who I am without a ton of judgment about every little thing I do. You know what I mean? And so it's a balancing act. So that's the very first part of this. Once we, once we have that, then we think it's really important for a family to look at who they've been. So there's a ton of research out there that shows the more children know about their heritage and their ancestors, oh. they feel like they're linked to that lineage and that strength. And it's like, whoa, I'm part of something that's been around for a long time. I belong to that as well. And we've kind of lost the art of this, sadly. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago that families used to sit around at night and tell stories. Like we were, a, we had an art of storytelling and we'd tell stories about ancestors and family and, oh, your great, great grandfather did this hard thing. We've totally lost connection to storytelling and families and passing on the stories of people who did remarkable things or, you know, because all, look, all of us have an ancestor that was the first one that came to this country. Well, that had to be a story of like, risk and courage and bravery and like having each other's backs. And when your children hear these stories, so in our program, we teach families how to do really meaningful family history work and the websites to go to, how to start researching it, how to start collecting these stories and sharing them. Because most people are like, I don't even know where to start. But the research on this is so clear. The more your children know about their heritage and where they come from, the greater odds of their sense of identity and resiliency in the future. And so, so that's a big one. And then, so we, we have, yeah, we were able to get some awesome stories. Oh, I remember your guys' Holly's stories were incredible. Oldies. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife and, and my side as well, stuff we would have never went out and found and the people would have passed away and yeah. we would have lost and, and we would have lost it forever. But luckily when we did this process with you, uh, we were able, actually, one of my aunts passed away that gave me this huge family book that went back generations and she mailed it to me and she's since passed away since we've gone through this process. Wow. I remember that. I was, I was going to say like, I think Jason had a profound experience with one of his aunts, but it's like, and all this stuff, it's, it's like, it's locked up in these people that are still alive or it's locked up in these databases. And sadly, it's like, if we don't ever tap into it, but man, when you share those stories with your kids, 
you don't even have to make the connection. They're like, they see the bravery in that story. They see the courage in that story. They see the sack, like, and they're like, whoa, that's, that's my ancestor. That's my family member. Like I'm part of that legacy. And so, so, so that's awesome. And then there's some really incredible research out of the university of Nebraska that we lean on to help families shape their values. So some researchers got together a number of years ago and said, why is all of the research that's done on families, why is all of it just based on what makes families dysfunctional? Now there's usefulness in that, right? There's usefulness in seeing like dysfunction in families, but these researchers were like, we can't find any research on what has families be, be strong and amazing. Like all of the research is around what has families not work. Well, there's gotta be families out there that are actually working and are strong. So they set out on this 30 year research project 60 researchers, they interviewed and lived with over 24,000 families that they deemed as strong families and they had criteria of what makes up a strong family. And at the end of the 30 years in the 24,000 families, Jason, it was super clear that strong families, according to their research, are made up of these six strengths. And they were very clinical sounding because it was research-based and academic. We took those six strengths, reworded and repositioned and rebranded them, added two more. And so now when families go through our program, we help them develop values in these eight very intentional categories. Because I know that can be overwhelming sometimes as a family. It's like, well, do we have five? Do we have 19 values? Do we have seven? Like, how do we even start to wrap our minds around this? And now it's so easy because a family goes through, we show them the eight categories. We give them about 20 different ideas for each category as well to get their minds working. What are the eight categories, Chris? So, yeah, you're going to put me on the spot here. So the eight (laughs) categories are, we prioritize because that's one of the things they found is like strong families. Every one of these 24,000 families, they make family a priority. It's just super clear. Okay. So, so what's a value we could have around prioritizing our family, right? The second category is we appreciate. So they saw that in these families, they've just fostered this culture of appreciation and affection for one another. They show a deep appreciation and gratitude for each other. Another category is we talk. So they found that like, that that may be obvious, but strong families have a really strong sense of communication, but it's about everything. So they talk often and they they talk about really hard things. There's nothing we can't talk about in these strong families about everything and anything and nothing, right? Silly, serious. We bond. Strong families invest a lot of time into, into, you know, spending time together. But what I loved what the research said in this one, strong families spend quality time in great quantities. Because I mean, be honest, how many times have you and I, Jason, as entrepreneurs be like, well, I'm not spending a lot of time with my family because I'm busy with work. But man, when I do, I make sure it's really quality. And the research is like, well, yeah, that's okay. And like, look, better than nothing. But the so none of us are gonna be perfect at this. But the thing you want to strive for is quality time in great quantities. So that's we bond. So we help you create a value around yeah, what does it look like to bond for the Smith family? What does it look like to like spend time together? Um, another one is uh, we overcome. So one of the things they found is that strong families, they have the ability to come together in hard times, have each other's backs. And it's like, they can just get through anything together. They can really get through crises. They can overcome setbacks. Because unfortunately, in a lot of families and marriages, really difficult times break the family apart. So what's a value we could have that actually would have us come closer together in times of real difficulty or, or challenge. Um, 
Another one is we believe. Now, this one's touchy and sensitive because a lot of people hear it initially and like think it's rooted in religion. It's, it's rooted in spirituality. So it can be synonymous with religion. It can have nothing to do with the religion. Yep. But what they found is these strong families, they have a shared sense of belief systems that's rooted in something spiritual, whether that's again, religion or not. So what's a value around like your belief systems or spirituality or humanity, or for some people, it's very religious. And then the two we added. So those are the six that came out of the yep. research. The two we added was one is we impact. Cause we just wanted to have a value that wasn't just, those are all internally focused. What's the value right. we have around the good we do in humanity and how we give back, right. And the impact we make. So we help you create a value around how you want to make a difference in the world. And then the last one, because this one's so personal to us, I'm just a huge believer. And, and knowing that this is holistic health and wealth podcast, I love the quote, a healthy person has a thousand wishes an unhealthy person has just one. Mm-hmm. You have your health. You have everything. All, all is possible to you. When you don't have your health, there's only one thing that matters, and that's getting your health back. So the eighth category is we move, and we really want families to create a value around their health and wellness, where it shows the priority they have to their health. And for some families, it's like we lift weights together. And for other families, it's like we would never lift a weight together, but like we nourish our bodies with healthy food or right. But like it just our takes- family does yoga together. It's the cutest thing, man. My, yeah. my six-year-old, six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, we all pile into the room and put it on the TV. And yeah, yeah so you guys could have a value. And look, and what's yeah. cool about these eight categories, Jason, we it's also like the eight categories we prioritize, we we appreciate, we bond, we talk, we move. Those are, if you think about it, your core values for the rest of your life, meaning we will always have a value of prioritizing family. We will always have a value of appreciating family. We, but how we choose to display that value can change and evolve based on the needs of our family and the age of our children. So right now, you guys literally could have a value, say, Smiths do yoga together. Yeah. And maybe you grow out of that and it evolves into something else. But what we found is when we added this research and added these eight categories, it took all the guesswork out of it. We've never had a family now who doesn't nail all eight values. And they either yep. pick one out of our list or they combine it or it gives them inspiration for their own. But they walk away with these eight core values all rooted in some real powerful research. And we can promise families, if you create a value in these eight categories and live by it, you'll be increasing the odds of becoming a strong family or further strengthening your family. Yeah. You know, what I, what I like too, uh, Chris, that you had said is, like right now, I don't know, six-year-olds and eight-year-olds, sometimes they're they're struggling with being kind to each other, right? They're always fighting and always this, that, and the other. But um, Smiths are kind is one of our core values. I, I don't know if that's always going to be, but it right. can evolve over time. We recently kind of updated our core values. So I think that's what's great about the flexibility of it. Like in my business, those core values are pretty solid. I, they're not going anywhere. I don't think they're changing much, maybe a little wordsmithing. But in the family core values, especially if, if you do have young kids you're raising through different seasons of life, you know, those can evolve. Yeah, we actually encourage families to do that. We encourage families once a year to just look at the eight categories again. And and, and not not that we recommend changing a bunch of them every year, but just just look and say, is this still serving our family? One of the coolest stories we have about family brand, Jason, is we had a family go through this. They had a teenage son at the time that was really disconnected from them, wanted nothing to do with them, 
locked himself in his room every day, was on video games, just really distant. Definitely wasn't interested in going to the family brand exercise, right? With the family when they did it. So he didn't participate. Later, they revisited it a year later and just looked at the categories, handed everyone the eight sheets with the, hey, do we want to change any? Do we want to? And this son chose to participate. And he circled, he only circled one value in one category. So eight times 20. So out of 160 possible, he circled one. And it was under the we talk. And it was, we all have a voice. And his parents were like, interesting. So they had a conversation with him separately. And they're like, hey, thank you, first of all, for participating. And I'm just curious, like, why is that the only one you circled? And he goes, because I don't have a voice in this family. And it was like, and, and he shared with him. He's like, yeah, well, the only voice that matters in this family is yours. Like, if I ever have an opinion, yours rules over mine. If, I, if there's ever anything that I think you think, and it's like, and they, and they could see in the moment, he was right. It's like, we don't give you a voice. And it has a lot to do with why you don't ever want to talk to us. That was the beginning of literally healing that relationship and going from a son who wouldn't talk to them to within a couple months, the mom sends us a video testimonial. She can't get through it. She has to do it like three times because she kept crying. I'm like oh. my son's, my 14 year old son's coming up and hugging me and like telling me he loves me. And it's like blowing my mind. So, so, so my point is they in the moment switched mid-year whatever value they had for we talk yep. they're just like hey this is what one member of our family needs the most so right we're right now making a decision that that value now is you know we all have a voice i love it i tell you chris i i want to go through um so tell me about the uh, family brand culture quiz and then tell me about that um what the options are because i'd like to do a refresher yeah here at the end of the year going into the new year and get my kids involved, my six-year-olds and eight-year-olds. I think we did it four years ago. I think they were like two and four at the time. Yeah, they'd have a, they'd, they're perfect ages. They would have so much fun. Yeah, they were too young. I think yeah. at that time. So, yeah. And then the last component I just want to touch on real quick is we've created something for companies called the Culture Operating System and developed it since the last time you and I spoke. Yeah. And it's, it's literally, of all the things I've ever done to help a company with culture, it's the most profound thing. Like we're seeing miracles in these companies, miracles in these cultures, in these organizations of love and belonging and performance as well and leadership. So we're like, well, let's just, let's just create a version of it for families. And so we now teach the culture operating system in families. And it's just how to create a culture of belonging, how to create a culture though of dependability, where we teach like what it means to be your word and like make agreements with each other and keep them and like avoid all these little frustrations that families have where it's like people aren't doing what they say they're going to do and we can't count on each other. And how do we create a culture of leadership in our homes where we start seeing ourselves as leaders and our as parents and we start helping our children see themselves as leaders? Because my wife and I believe the greatest leadership development opportunity in the history of the world is in homes. That's really where we have the opportunity to develop leaders. It's not the leadership development that takes place out there in the world. I mean, that's, that's useful. Um, and so, so with that, to that end, we created something called the culture quiz. We just wanted families to have a really easy way to kind of go like, hey, let me answer like a series of really simple questions and yep. get kind of a peek into what's the state of the culture that's in my home right now and what could be possible. So we never want someone to take the quiz and like beat themselves up over it. Wherever you're at, it's great. It's more like, okay, here's where we're at and here's what we could do to in, in, improve that culture because culture trumps everything. Like you can say a bunch of stuff. But it's like, but what's the actual culture? You can believe a lot of stuff, but what is the actual culture? And yeah. so 
that that's that's what we're so excited and we're kind of getting ready to release family brand 3.0 that has all of these elements of culture family history the values and then the, how to implement it and live it daily weekly monthly quarterly and annually with these rhythms and cadences so how um, do you take the quiz and so, what, what yeah. yeah would love to offer it to your audience so you go to familybrand.com forward slash quiz okay and cool. really simple we'd love all of you to take it um It'll give you a score kind of where you're at now, and it'll share some actionable things that you could do to start to move that. Um, but yeah, familybrand.com forward slash quiz. Um, and then the uh, you said there's like a digital and a coaching version, right? Because I'd, I'd like to. Yeah. yeah. So there's really three ways families can go through family brand and three ways families are currently going through family brand. So we have our digital program. Um, that families can go buy self-paced, do it on their own. And actually, I didn't even think about this ahead of time. Um, but I'm going to do something right now that if anyone in your audience wants to go buy the digital program, I'm going to give them a code that will get them 50% off. Nice, thanks. I didn't, I didn't ask my wife this, but she'll be totally on board with it. So if any one of you listening, you're like, I just, I want to do the digital program. I want to get started on it. You could go yep. to familybrand.com, go to our programs, look at the digital program, enter the code um, uh, partner, and it'll give you 50% off the digital program. There's a lot of families who that works for them. And again, yeah. it's so clear now they can just go through, they, they nail their, all their values. Other families are like, well, I'd love to go through the program, but I'd also love to have access to other families and like brainstorm with other families of what they're doing and get some access to Chris and Melissa. So we have a group program um, and we kick those off on a, on a schedule. So we're signing people up right now. We have people joining for the next group program, which will kick off February 1st, but we're giving people the opportunity to sign up now because we're going to do some really cool year end stuff, a couple of year end coaching calls of how to bring your year to a close really powerfully as a family with something we've been doing for like seven years and then how to kick your year off as a family with more fun, how to create a really fun new year's Eve with your family and do like a vision board party and invite another family. So, and then, and then we obviously have private one-on-one. -on -one. So if ever a family's like, Hey, I want you to kind of become our family coach. Yep. So those are really the three ways that families interact with us. These are the digital, they hop into one of our groups or they'll kind of hire us for private engagement as like their family coach. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, we will. So familybrand.com forward slash quiz for the quiz. And then all this information, put in the code partner to get 50% off the digital. Yeah, for the digital. Yep. Any final thoughts you'd like to share, Chris, as we land the plane? And I do want to say you get, you got a podcast, Family Brand Podcast. Yep. So, that, so that, is that available on the site as well? Yeah. And my wife's been an amazing leader of that. I mean, I think in three years, Jason, she's missed two weekly episodes. I mean, she's just been so consistent and so dedicated and like, so yeah, we share so much amazing resources and information and value on the podcast. Like, and people tell us all the time, the podcast alone is changing their lives and changing their family and saving their marriage. And so, you know, we just feel really called to make a difference for families. And we truly believe that like every single one of us can strengthen the world and change our communities by, by strengthening our family. Like the most powerful thing I think I can do to, to strengthen my community is strengthen my own family. And, and again, I'll just say what I've said a number of times is we would rather see families intentionally grow together than accidentally 
drift apart. And just, man, thank you for having me on. I mean, th this means the world to us to be able to have a platform like this where we can just share this message with the world and hopefully help families. Thank you so much, Chris. I, uh, I really appreciate the, the profound effect that having a family brand and having a mission, vision, values, uh, all in writing are culture defined and in the effects, you know, the positive effects that it's made has just been something else. And I'm looking forward to doing an updated version. So thank you. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for having me. And thanks for sharing those stories about your family and your kids. I mean, that means the world to me and just made my day hearing those stories. So thanks. All right. Well, till the next podcast, we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. We hope we inspired you to make changes so you can live your best life. If you want to find out more about what we do, or if you want to have a holistic wealth and health financial plan, please call 456-833-7000. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it widely with your friends and family.